The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. We gather to worship Almighty God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather together to worship Almighty God. The liturgy, music, and homily this hour are offered for our gathered community here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later across the internet, WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry and leadership in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. We worship together in the spirit of one who wrote and sang, Finish then thy new creation, pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee, changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Lord of all power and might, the author and giver of all good things, graft in our hearts the love of your name, increase in us true religion, nourish us with all goodness, and bring forth in us the fruit of good works. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Summer's joys may include the wonderful joy of watching children enjoy the water in paddling and playing and floating and learning. Sometimes at a bit older age, they will learn to water ski, and we teach them. But the first rule we teach them is, not if, but when you fall, let go of the rope. When you fall, let go of the rope. You know, some of us older, bigger children occasionally benefit from the same reminder. It's not if, when you stumble, let go of that rope and let the boat come around again. Don't be dragged and pulled underwater. Let loose. Forgiveness, the grace of God and the gift of forgiveness, can be such a loosening grace, a freeing, liberating, saving grace. In that spirit, may we offer our individual prayers of confession as the choir sings our traditional Kyrie.
Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 2, verses 4 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What wrong did your ancestors find in me, that they went far from me, and went after worthless things, and became worthless themselves? They did not say, Where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness? in the land of deserts and pits, in the land of drought and deep darkness, in the land that no one passes through, where no one lives? I brought you into a plentiful land to eat its fruits and its good things. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, Where is the Lord? Those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, and went after things that do not profit. Therefore, once more I accuse you, says the Lord, and I accuse your children's children. Cross to the coasts of Cyprus, and look, send to Kedar, and examine with care. See if there has ever been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, even though there are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and dug out cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that can hold no water. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 1 through 8 and 15 through 16. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them, those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and Im Im imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 81 with the Antiphon. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Then I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him, and their doom would last forever. I would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Sing. Now please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 14, verses 1 and 7 through 14. Glory to you, O Lord. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor, in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then, in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He also said to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
please be seated. We have a special guest with us today. He has made his way into our midst through a long and arduous journey. Our guest over a great expanse has come our way. Because his presence has come at significant expense in time, labor, and effort, and because his presence is precious to us in ways both known and unknown, both speakable and unspeakable, we pause to honor him. Many thousands of miles separate us from his homeland. In fact, to travel here, he travels over land and sea, over continent and subcontinent, over mountain and valley and hill and mole hill. The very fact alone that we have him here is cause for delight, wonder, celebration, reverence, awe, and joy. Many hundreds of years separate us from his family of origin, from the time and times of his time. To travel here, he has to engage in a sort of time travel, like that involved in every day, in every hour, in every moment, in every memory, and in every hope. Here is the future. Ah! It has slipped into the present. Here is the present. Ah! It has slipped into the past. Here is the past. Ah! It has slipped into memory. Here is memory. Ah! It has been lost or reborn in hope. Peer into his eyes for a moment, eyes aware of the numinous divine humility. Our visitor awaits your recognition. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Can one acquire humility without humiliation? It is a serious question. Discomfort we ignore, pain we obey. Our visitor emerges from the strange world of the Bible in these weeks, in case we might have tried to avoid the mysterium tremendum in worship. We have had the lava flow of Hebrews to terrify us, the ringing prophetic voice like no other in Jeremiah to rivet us, the heart-wringing prayers of David in the Psalms to stop us in our tracks. Our visitor emerges from this kind of strange world, Hebrews, Jeremiah, Psalms, the strange world of the Bible, strange. The Bible is very different up to and including its most distinctive different difference, the Gospel of John. Yes, we have a special guest with us today. He has made his way into our midst through a long and arduous journey because his presence has come at significant expense in time, labor, and effort, and because this presence is precious to us in both ways known and unknown, both speakable and unspeakable, we pause to honor him. Our guest began life as a story told, perhaps among shepherds and wanderers. His is the kind of story beloved of the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the lame. This is the kind of story beloved by you at 3 a.m. with troubles. This is the kind of story audible to the mortal, the sick, those in need, and those beyond help in need. Our guest brings us, that is, a Sunday story. 
Six days shalt thou avoid your impending death and your ongoing fragility and your endless fault lines, but the seventh shall be a Sabbath unto the Lord. Allow me to present him to you, if you will. You may greet him with a warm Methodist handshake. He already knows you, as the Bible knows us, where and when we know ourselves not. As God knows us, though we were to know ourselves not at all, what sweet truth. That is, you need no int- he, that is, he needs no introduction to you. He knows you. But allow me to present him to you, perhaps for the first time, but more likely for the first time in a long time. Isn't it happy to have such a guest here today? In his younger days, he was a story told along the highways and byways of life. It may be that he was himself a Palestinian. The 50 by 150 mile rectangle of ancient Judea was probably his home in his growing up days, though as for that, we cannot be entirely sure. As the story goes, he is an old one from the time of his youth until today. Remember the other line earlier in the gospel? We piped to you, but you did not dance. We wailed for you, but you did not weep. That account earlier in the gospel of children playing games in the marketplace, one group wanting to play the game called weddings, the other wanting to play the game called funerals, pipes, wails. Of course, life is much more than weddings and funerals, isn't it? Or is it? Our guest was in the mix of these sorts of stories and games and reposts and conversations and imaginative utterances. As a Palestinian spoken in Aramaic, our guest found his way to Jesus or to someone close to Jesus or to Luke or to someone close to Luke, if so, by then translated into simple, that is, koine, Greek. He has, our guest does, quite a pedigree, Luke eleven forty three, Luke twenty forty six. What an honor for us to have him here. If I were presenting to you a human guest who is 2,000 years old, a human guest who has traveled from the ancient Middle East to us in our modern experience of the ongoing Middle Eastification of American life, who has consorted with Jesus and Luke and all, and who has been a compinche, compadre, companion to Teresa of Avila and Julian of, Nor- Julian of Norwich and Georgia Harkness and Mother Teresa and Mother Olga and your mama and mine, who has been spoken and spoken of since before Polycarp was a pup, 2,000 years old. Would you not be astounded? We venerate the venerable in worship, wringing out for us our sturdy words, millennia old. Greet him, please. Our guest is our gospel reading, an ancient manuscript. We rightly stand at his reading in the service, as we did a moment ago, to honor him. In worship, he stands among us, verbum dei, 
The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, St. Luke, chapter 14, verses 1, 7 to 11. Though, before his life in ministry, he may have been simply an ordinary businessman walking the dusty trails of Bethlehem, Nazareth, Capernaum, and Jerusalem. His is the everlasting account of a wedding banquet, which, like all social moments, is one full of both treasure and treachery, a feast to which you, you, you all, all you all, have been invited. Peer into his eyes for a moment. Our visitor awaits your recognition. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Can one acquire humility without humiliation? It is a serious question. Discomfort we ignore. Pain we obey. The preaching of the gospel on a Sunday morning is the utterance of the word of faith in the hope and in the trust that such a word may become for you today, by God's grace, an intervening word, a saving word, a word that enters and changes the course of life. Can humility so conveyed and so acquired protect us from humiliation, learning the hard way, learning from experience? You may be curious about our guest's features, temperament, personality, and resume. His extended family includes a hero from Proverbs 25.6, Claim not honor in the presence of the king, nor stand in the place of great men. It is better for you to be told, come up hither, than to be humbled before a noble. The question of whether you are seated below the salt or not abides today. His face is present also in Luke 18.14, everyone who, Matthew 23.12, everyone who, James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And he has a second cousin or two in Luke's Sermon on the Plain, see chapter 6. His is a familiar face, one you recognize even though you cannot quite place it immediately. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Our guest has many colleagues in traditional Jewish wisdom literature and shares its characteristics of artistic language, hyperbole, paradox, metaphor, and here, similitude. Our guest is not really a parable, though Luke kindly affirms him so. He is a simple tale with a proverbial twist. The story he tells warns about humility in the mode of a wedding feast. The twist at the end announces a turning in the world from high to low, from low to high, and there, here, he shows his true colors. Our guest is an introduction, yours and mine, an introduction to the Christ of God. Luke 14, 7 intimates, whispers, a reverence for the divine humility, the hiddenness, silence, absence of God. 
Luke has included here a wisdom saying fit to the voice of Jesus, to honor others, to count others in higher esteem, to give credit where credit is due, to develop a capacity for wonder and vulnerability and self-mockery, to take ourselves lightly that we may fly like the angels, to acquire a capacity for humility, Such a process of development in life here in this wisdom saying fit to the voice of Jesus, our guest visitor today, is offered us as a way of life, health, salvation, and peace. Look into his eyes for a moment. He awaits recognition. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Can we acquire humility without humiliation? That's a serious question. Discomfort, we ignore. Pain, we obey. For us, as part of a national culture now careening toward and into an apotheosis of hubris, the similitude of Luke 14 hits home. The way of the long future for humanity is along the path of humility. But we get tired of humility because it is tiring and tiresome as a talent to hone. We get tired of humility. And if we get scared when we get tired, if a portion of fear is laden into a potion, poisonous potion of pride, And if that fear potion is potent enough to carry us, we just may forget who we are and whose we are. We forget Emma Lazarus and prefer demagoguery. We forget Lincoln and support nativism. We forget King and accept narcissism. We forget Jesus the crucified and cleave to the cry of triumphalism out of fear, out of exhaustion, out of amnesia. We forget the advice of the author of Hebrews. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them. Those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. We turn aside from the prophetic voice of Jeremiah. Has a nation changed its gods even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit. Can we acquire a modicum of humility that measure we will minimally need as a people without enduring humiliation? Can we learn without learning the hard way? Can we see the pending consequences through the lenses of humility without needing in order to learn a full experience of humiliation? Or as so often in history will we need to drink the bitter cup of full cultural and national humiliation in order for humility to return. I would like to be optimistic.
And sometimes people just have to learn the hard way. To learn what? That pride goeth before a fall. For us as individuals who have known more than our share, as our guest reminds us, more than our share of elbowing our way to the head of the table, the similitude of Luke 14 hits home. Narrow is the gate, straight is the way that leads to life, and few there be who go therein. We all, one way or another, get born on third base and think we hit a triple. We we all see a turtle on top of a fence post and think he got there by climbing. We all preach our own version of the sermon, humility and how I achieved it, and its sequel, the world's greatest sermon on humility. We all have one set of arithmetic for our own deeds and misdeeds and others for others, one abacus for our own intentions and another for those of others. We all can stand a little and more than a little house cleaning when it comes to the rooms marked off by what we think we did when we didn't and what we think we didn't when we did. There is, that is, still a place in the pilgrim faithful heart for the quiet Yankee voice of self-criticism. There is still a value in the teacher who began every class bowing to the students, not knowing what range of genius might already be present. Or H. Richard Niebuhr in the evening, hunting up a student whom he had chastised in the morning, asking forgiveness. Can we learn without learning the hard way? Can we see the pending consequences through the lenses of humility without needing in order to learn a full experience of humiliation? Or as so often in history, will we need to drink the bitter cup of full personal humiliation in order for humility to return? I would like to be optimistic. But sometimes people just have to learn the hard way. To learn what? That pride goeth before a fall. Mahatma Gandhi, whose favorite Christian hymn we have just sung, he in sandals and sari, walked four miles a day among all his people. He knew the English court and the banks of the Thames, the style and rhythms of British life, but he went home. Gandhi reminded us that for the hungry, God will be present, if at all, in bread. To listen to the hurt in others, to pause before the hidden courage of others, to accept the grace to celebrate the good in others, to spot the one thing needful in the need of others. Herein, behold a humility a divine humility. The gift of today's special guest. He who came not to be served, but to serve, who today occupies the central place in human history, to whom has been given the name that is above every name, Jesus the Christ and him crucified. Lead kindly light amid the encircling gloom. Lead thou me on. The night is dark and I am far from home. Lead thou me on. Keep thou my feet 
I do not ask to see the distanced scene one step enough for me. So long thy power hath blessed me, sure it will lead, thou, lead me on, or moor and fen, or crag and torrent, till the night is gone. And with the morn, those angel faces smile, which I have loved long since and lost a while. Sirsum corda, lift up your hearts. Great this Lord's day is our special guest, and greet him now, Luke 14, 7, and shake his hand. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. God of life, we praise you for your abiding presence from generation to generation, blessing your people, strengthening us to live lives of service, empowering us to witness. Hear the prayers we offer on behalf of your creation. I will end each petition with, hear us, O God, and the response is, your mercy is great. O God, Strengthen your church to do your work in the world. Remind us of your eternal presence so that we may share your peace and love with others. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Help us to maintain the balance of your creation by recognizing our interconnection with the entire earth. Enable us to recognize the ways that we create damage and give us hope to change our ways. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Draw leaders away from bitterness and into your ways of kindness and mercy. Help them to recognize injustice and to say enough. Replace blame and malice with forgiveness and justice. Hear us, O God. 
your mercy is great. Sustain all whose journey feels too hard to bear. Restore the hope of all who despair. Comfort those who are poor, oppressed, persecuted, or homeless. Heal the sick and comfort the grieving, especially those we name before you now. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Bless this congregation that we may continue in your service to the community of Boston University and the city of Boston. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Grant that as we serve you now on earth, so may we may one day rejoice with all the saints in your kingdom of light and peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. peace of the Lord be always with you. We welcome you once again here to the Nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. Speaking of getting to know folks better, we're eagerly looking forward to getting to know the incoming class here at Boston University that will be matriculating next weekend. We hope you will join us next Sunday for our annual matriculation service here in the nave of Marsh Chapel at 11 a.m. And following the service, we need you, members of the chapter and friends of Marsh Chapel, to help us welcome the incoming class by greeting them and passing out snacks and drinks on Marsh Plaza. If you would be willing to volunteer in this regard, please be in touch through the chapel office, and we will be in touch about organizing that later this week. All of our first week services and activities are printed in your bulletin and are also available on the Marsh Chapel website at bu.edu chapel, along with the opportunity for online giving. 
As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on Henry Purcell's setting of verses from Psalm 79, Lord, how long wilt thou be angry? Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
of thee but thine own, whatever the gift may be, all that we have is thine alone. A trust, O Lord, from thee. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen.